0: Daniel chapter 3 I'm going to read the entire chapter so we understand our context Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 3 score cubits and the breadth thereof 6 cubits and he set up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon now we understand from chapter 2 that this is in direct rebellion against the vision that God gave him of the coming kingdoms He set up this image of gold. The whole thing is of gold. The image he saw in the vision was a head of gold, a breast and arms of silver, thighs and loins of brass, and then legs of iron, and the toes, iron mixed with clay. And Of course, each part of that image that he saw represented different kingdoms, signifying that his kingdom was coming to an end at some point. So here here what you see is this image, and the whole thing's gold. So it's in rebellion against what the vision had just been given. But anyway, then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent together together the princes, the governors, and the captives, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come in dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. So again, you know, he's gonna try and force the whole world even though he has been told by Daniel from vision from the Lord that his kingdom is going to fail at some point, and, uh, but he's going to make the whole world worship and follow him. Then the princess, verse 3, The governors, captains, the judges, and treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together under the degradation of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, fall down and worship the image, the golden image, that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. Whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, All the people, the nations, and the languages fell down to worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down, and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the province, the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These, O king, have not regarded thee, they serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do ye not serve my gods and worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at that what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the images which I have made, well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace, and who is that god that shall deliver you out of my hands?' Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Notice they didn't say he will deliver us out of the fiery fiery furnace. They said he is able to deliver us. But he will deliver us out of thine hand. It's the difference there. Be it known, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then when Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and spake, and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth, and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, and king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel, and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word, and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every nation, a people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made of dunghill, because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. And so... I preached this at, a, at one of our youth meetings some years ago, and I titled it, Are You Prepared for Testing? Are You Prepared for Testing? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege you have to open your precious word tonight. Thank you for uh, these examples that you give us in scripture of your sovereign, uh, sovereignty and your providence over uh, your people. And I pray that you would give us a comfort and encouragement from it, that we might glorify you. And stand for truth and righteousness in the day in which we're living. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now in Daniel chapter two, of course, uh of course in Daniel one, you know, they are Daniel, along with his uh three friends, you know, requested uh stood for the Lord and they requested that they be exempt from the diet that was, uh, offered to them. Uh, and in Daniel chapter two, they are, of course, there's this vision that Nebuchadnezzar has. And, uh, Daniel goes to him and asks for time to, uh, seek God for understanding into this vision. And of course he tells Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, which is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's their Hebrew names. Uh, uh, about it and they pray and seek the face of God and Daniel of course interprets the dream and then Daniel is promoted and Daniel seeks the promotion of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and they are promoted and uh, set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. So these are men that are put into governmental positions uh, somewhere around the king. We don't know exactly what they did but but uh, they are promoted, you know, and when 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 uh, when you when a person is promoted, that also there's also another thing that comes along with that, and that's responsibility. Um, uh, it, it puts you in a position where you are more likely to be seen as well. So there's a greater risk and responsibility here. But as we think about this tonight, you know it. Are we, are we prepared for trial? And, and I, what I, one of the things I said to the young people then if you don't take God seriously now, in time of trial, crisis, will you then? And so we see here, I want to notice several things. First of all, their preparation for this trial, this crisis in their life, is, of course, that preparation is in Daniel chapter 1, which I mentioned. In verse 11, you know, we often think that Daniel stood, but these three also stood with him. It's apparent that they were in company with Daniel in their uh, desire to please the Lord, even in what might be considered by some as uh, minor issues, and that is their Jewish diet, which was important to their relationship with the Lord and their covenant with their God as Jews but in, in verses 11 through 19 that it says, Then Daniel, then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, notice, Daniel, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah. So it not just same name, Daniel, as the one objecting. Obviously, these others objected to it too. It's just that Daniel is the one who's doing the talking. He might be the the leader of these four, but they all objected to the uh The diet that was going to be given them, and they asked for an alternative. And of course, we know that's granted. And and in verse twelve again, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days. Let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Let our countenance so so there. there you know there's this plural all the way through this, and and then at the end of the, this time, the king communed with them. Verse nineteen, among them all was found none like. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they had participated in Daniel with observing uh, of God's commandments to them concerning their dietary laws. Uh, you know, we might compare this today to Bible biblical standards. And a lot of people say, "Well, that's minor issues, preacher." You know, I had a preacher tell me, that "That's just divisive things." You know, and. And nobody does that today, and, you know, and, and that they just don't want to do it. But these, to them, their relationship with the Lord and their fellowship with the Lord was important, and whether it was minor things or major things, it was important to them. They were willing to take a stand. They were willing to, to risk their relationships and with the King, uh, for these things, these commandments that God had given them. Now we aren't given those same commandments concerning diet that they were given, but but there are other things. There are many things that God has commanded us, and in fact, in Matthew chapter five, there's an interesting statement. Uh, it's a passage that I've used often, and somebody somebody challenges me on this sort of thing, and uh, you know a lot of people talk about you know they divide uh, by Bible doctrines and teaching into minors and majors and all this kind of thing, and and, and the miners and I always say, well, the miners have major ramifications. In Matthew 5, verse 17, it says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass in the law till all be fulfilled. Whoso therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes into the, the law of God, and he not only says that we're obligated to the law of God, but, for example, the law says, thou shalt not commit adultery. But verse 28 says... I say unto you, whosoever looketh on a woman, the lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in her heart, in your heart, in his heart. Uh, so he not only, he, he doesn't, he doesn't just talk about the letter of the law, he also talks about the spirit of the law, which really is stronger than the letter of the law. And so they participated with him in that, that these things were important to them. Uh, they had, they had communion with God consistently in chapter two, verses seventeen and eighteen. After Daniel has been given the opportunity to interpret the dream, verse seventeen says, "Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon." So, so it was obvious that these men had had communion with God, it, you know, this was something they did on a consistent basis, was go to the Lord with the needs of their lives, and I'm sure they had gone to the Lord uh, concerning the thing in chapter 1, the, the, the dietary laws. They had gone to the Lord about that, and God gave them direction in that. So, they took God seriously in all of life. Not just when they needed a bailout. You know, how often we kind of take for God for granted. And that's just a problem. And then we, all of a sudden, uh, you know, you know the, the, even the situation you know, with the diet, they didn't have to request a different diet to live. But as Jews, under the law, if they wanted to have fellowship with God, and that's the issue, that they wanted to have fellowship with God. They needed to obey what they knew to be right in the sight of God, and they were willing to do it. See, so they took God seriously, and all you know. Th- this speaks of having continual communion with God on a consistent basis. Uh. We see also that he was their hope. In uh, chapter 3, our text, chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of course, that's the same people as Azariah, Meshach, and Azariah. It's just that these, Shadrach, Meshach, are their Babylonian names, given to them to help them forget that they were Jewish. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. So, so, if he, he may deliver us out of the furnace, but we can be assured of one thing, he will deliver us out of thy hand. Because if he doesn't deliver us out of the furnace, they're, they're going to be with the Lord. They're going to be delivered out of the hand of the king. One way or the other. If it's through the furnace or by death, they are going to be delivered from the hand of the king. That's the thing we need to understand. You see, he was their hope. And then he says, but if not. In other words, if he don't deliver us from this furnace, be it known unto thee, O king, we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. You see, they understood. Of course, they knew about The dream. They knew about the dream, you know. And we don't know where Daniel is. Daniel's not mentioned in in, in chapter three. Evidently, Jan Daniel may have been away, maybe out on business somewhere, or maybe we don't know where he was. The Bible doesn't say. But these three we know were expected to fall down and worship this image, which was in direct. Rebellion against what God had already revealed to Nebuchadnezzar—that you know he was a king of kings, but there was he was going to be defeated by another nation. His kingdom was going to come to an end, and of course, this is this 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 uh, image that he built is in rebellion against God, saying it's not going to happen because he made the whole thing of gold. See, they, they had, they, their hope was in the Lord. Their trust was in Him, not in the King. Their security was in God, not in the King. And it didn't matter what decree the King made, it didn't change their minds. They were going to serve God. You know, we have A lot of things happening in our world today. A lot of people in places of authority and government making mandates and lockdowns and all sorts of stuff. But our hope is in the Lord, not in them. And we need to trust in Him. Psalm 39, verse 7 says, And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in Thee. You know, they didn't trust in the fact that they had been promoted in government. You know, chapter 2, verse 49 tells us that. That maybe they would be exempted from it. But they weren't. And so, you know, their hope. Their their hope was consistently in the Lord with whom they had communion and whom they had trust and confidence in. What did you notice also that they yielded their bodies? Verse 28 says... Verse 28. Then Canavergazer spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word, and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Now, It's important that we, as God's people, yield our bodies as living sacrifices. After all, how does the world know that you serve God? By what you think? By what they can't see in your life? It wasn't, it wasn't Shadrach, Meshach's communion with God that gave evidence to Nebuchadnezzar that they served God. That they had confidence in God. That they trusted in God. So much so that they were willing to not submit to a decree of the king that violated the laws of their God. you see it was their yielding of their bodies that gave evidence of that. not just their words, not, not their thoughts, no their bodies. they yielded their bodies a living sacrifice. you know that word yield" in Romans 12:1 has the idea as to present as to show. It's like putting on an exhibit. You know, we used to show cattle at the Huntington County Fair. And you know, to show meant you exhibit this cow. You put it right there on display, and you have a judge that examines and, and evaluates the cattle in this class and decides which one is most perfect. and then they rank them in order. You know We're to yield our bodies? as living sacrifices for the world to see but what is it that keeps us from yielding our bodies of living sacrifices many times well sometimes it's relationships look at first samuel chapter 2 first samuel chapter 2 <clears throat> 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 27. Of course, Eli is the high priest. It says, There came a man of God unto Eli, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? Did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore? kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation. And here's the problem. And honorest thy sons above me. To make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house, house of thy father, should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me, for of them that honor me... I honor and they despise me shall be lightly esteemed. You see Eli honored his sons above the commands of God. The reality is his sons were idols to him. They became idols. It became a source of false worship in the life of Eli. You know, one of the most discouraging things to me as a preacher is to see pastors that have preached standards all their life. And then their children grow up. And they don't hold the standards. And then the pastors don't preach them either. They change. Preach Separation. That's very discouraging. What what are we doing? We're honoring relationships over God. That's that's idolatry. When we put some human being before God, that's idolatry. You know, these are the things that keep us from yielding our bodies as living sacrifices. There's, of course, the world. 2 Timothy 4.10 says, For deemeth, have forsaken me, having loved this present world. Eudemus had worked with Paul, worked alongside Paul. In Philemon, verse 24, Paul named some men that worked with him. He says, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. So here was somebody that worked together, alongside of the Apostle Paul. Paul would later write, Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world. Many times the pull of the world keeps us from yielding our bodies as a living sacrifice, the lure and the draw of the world. I was reading the other day the testimony in life of Charles Weigel, or Weigel, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. He was in a, a, a songwriter, he wrote, he wrote the song, No One Ever cared For Me Like Jesus and many others, but he was an evangelist uh, back in the, uh, I think he was born in the 1800s, and and so he lived up until the 1960s or early 70s. Anyway, but his wife, at one point in his life, his wife said, Charlie, I don't want to live this life anymore. I'm going to the life of the bright lights. His only child, a daughter, went with her. He put him on a train and they went to California. Four or five years later on her deathbed she said to her daughter see if you can contact your father and ask him to pray for me that God would be merciful to a sinner such as I. See what was it? The lore of the world. The lore of the world. Oh, it's strong, but we must give up the world. There's the love of money. First Timothy 6.10 says, The love of money is the root of all evil, which was some coveted after. They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Yet the love of money has betrayed many or seduced many. Judas betrayed the Savior who died for him for 30 pieces of silver. But you see, these these men yielded their bodies. We need to yield our bodies as a living sacrifice. But I want you to notice another thing here we see. God's promises are realized. In verses 23 through 25, it says, "...and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace." Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished, rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king, he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the former of the fourth is like the Son of God. So, you know, they declared their trust and their confidence in God. They said we yield our bodies. We'll give our lives for the Lord. We trust Him with our life. Colossians chapter 3 says when Christ who is our what? Life. He's our life. Your life, as a child of God, our life is in the hand of God. It, and as servants of God, we ought to submit to Him and allow Him to determine whether we live or whether we die. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were sure of one thing, only one thing, that God would deliver them. They were not sure whether they were going to live Or die. But they were sure of one thing. That if they died, they were still the Lord's. They were sure that they were God's children and they were sure that if they died, they would still be God's children and that they would go to be with the Lord. They had confidence in Him. They had confidence in Him. And we need to have that confidence in our Lord. You know, one of my favorite two verses in the Bible is Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So it may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what men shall do unto me. And here we see, you know, these men that yielded their bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Now, we do know that there are examples in the Bible where people did the same kind of thing and God did deliver them, but they died. It cost them their physical life. Stephen. You know, people have asked me absolutely questions, and it's a legitimate question. So why did God allow Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to live and not Stephen? That's a good question to ask the Lord when you get to heaven. I do have an opinion, though. What was the result of the death, the testimony and death of Stephen, the apostle See, God's sovereign. God knows the end from the beginning. God knows what will come of whether Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego live. And of course, we see here what does become of that. The decree that Nebuchadnezzar makes. And later on, God still works in Nebuchadnezzar's life and I believe that Nebuchadnezzar realizes I need to submit to this God through the tree dream and being Made live like a beast for seven times, probably seven years. Chapter four tells us all about that. But we see in in Acts, you know, the the fruits of de- uh, uh, Stephen's death is the apostle Paul. He the life of Stephen and the testimony of Stephen it was obvious brought great conviction into Paul's life, Saul's life. It says, you know, that's what, that's what it means in, in Acts 9 where it says, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Saul was bothered by it. You know, when somebody is often, when, when somebody acts very uh, antagonistic, it's because they're really bothered by Whatever it is that's bothering them. And there wasn't anybody more antagonistic to God's people than Saul in those days. He was bothered by it. These Christians dying and giving testimony like Stephen and seeing the heavens open and Jesus standing at the right hand of God had bothered him. It convicted him. And then to hear Stephen say, lay not this sin their charge. And so, we see here God's promises realized. You know, God's promises will be realized in our lives as we yield to Him. And it really doesn't matter whether we live or whether we die. if we are God's child, we can be assured that He will not forsake us. Even through times of trial and testing, the Obadiah Holmes was beaten, whipped, beaten in Boston Square almost to death. And he said he felt the presence of God during that time, like no other in his life. God didn't forsake him. And of course, that going through that time, turned the, the minds and hearts of the American people against this persecution. You know, we don't know what the days are ahead for us. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. But are you prepared? Are you prepared? Are you, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, walking now in communion with the Lord? Are you resting in him? Is he your hope? Is he your confidence? Is he your assurance? Are you yielding your body as a living sacrifice?